Till the tears run down from my eyes Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody Can anybody find me? Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. John, I'm here to talk about uh, not really our story, like of our marriage, but rather the story. It's God's story, you know. It's it's what He's done in our marriage, and the way that He's restored us through some of the trials and tribulations that we've been through, the challenges that we had, and it's really to give Him the glory for what He's done in in our marriage. You know, a lot of a lot of times um, we try to take on that role, but He's made it very clear to me that I need to be vulnerable because guys aren't usually vulnerable. They don't like to talk about these feelings and stuff like that. And, you know, it's important for me to do that so that I don't hold anything back from his glory. He told me, you have nothing to be ashamed of. I've already paid for all of this stuff. So just go out and, and be obedient and tell your story so that others can hear the power of redemption that I can have in their marriage. Have you ever wanted to quit on your relationship? Because, man, I don't know, maybe you feel like it's just... It's gotten too hard. Well, you've landed on another episode of Your Story Matters. Today, you get to meet John and Aaron Cadlick. They actually happen to be friends of ours. We've known each other for years now. And I think their testimony is going to blow you away because it truly is about God and his redemptive power in your relationship. Welcome to Smalley Marriage Radio. I am just who I am. I'm Michael Smalley, and I have my wife who's quarterbacking these Your Story Matters. I know, and I'm so excited we get another one. Aaron and John, I there this this testimony of God's story, uh, of Your Story Matters, is amazing, and I'm so excited about this one. This one's a little bit different in that we're adding John into the mix, and this isn't just a female perspective. Yeah, we got another dude in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be awesome. So meet... John and Aaron Cadlick. Thanks for coming in, y'all. Thanks yeah. for having us. We're we're great to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to get to share our marriage story and testimony of what God has done in our relationship. That's awesome. And this story of how you guys have have journeyed through and there's so many people that you guys have ministered to and that have heard your story or that have been impacted by your story it's it started on a on a you know you guys when you got married you were you know you're both in the military I'm sorry I'm sorry John you were in the military and Aaron you were like oh this is gonna be great and oh man this is awesome and then he goes away for tour after tour and then he comes back and you're like what is going on things started going going a little bit off and but the story of how you guys like what would you say was the thing that was maybe driving kind of pulling you guys apart and then maybe we're going to talk about you know how, how what pulled you back guys back together again well i think um we we kind of rushed to get married you know we had originally planned um to get married probably a year after we actually got married but mm-hmm. i got orders for deployment to afghanistan and um i really god kind of put it on my heart that 
you know, if this is something you're going to do later, why, why postpone it? Like, the, you, you know, I've, I've told you that this is who I want you to be with. So we discussed it and we decided to go ahead and get married before we deployed. So, um, we got married three months before I deployed for a year to Afghanistan. And, um, during that deployment was the toughest of the three. Um, we lost a lot of my buddies. Uh, you know, we were in a place called the Valley of Death in, in Afghanistan. And it was a, it was a tough deployment, you know, uh, just surviving was a big accomplishment at the end of deployment. And, um, so our marriage started off like, you know, in a the trenches, kind of thing. yeah, like in the trenches from the beginning, we were fighting to, to stay together during that deployment where we'd only been married for three months. Mm-hmm. Aaron, what was that like? Because a lot of times couples get married and they think, you know, no, we're in the honeymoon period, but you had like three months and then he was fighting battles during that honeymoon period right so i think we had a tiny bit of that honeymoon period but it was also prepping for him to deploy and i got to experience the first like pre-deployment where he's starting to disconnect and he was picking fights for no reason and all these things which now i have come to realize was him kind of distancing himself from me to make it easier when he deployed um and then in my thought process was like, Hey, we didn't get the honeymoon period. So he's going to return in a year and I'm working and he's doing his thing in the military. So we're going to have this honeymoon period. Like as soon as he comes back, of course, this will be our honeymoon period. However, he came back a different person than the person that left. Wow. So there's a sense of for you, for both of you, you had this expectation of, wow, okay, this is what is going to be, or the disconnection. And I love that now hindsight, and that's such a, 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 you know, I think a great thing for people to even to realize and to recognize that sometimes men do, there's a sense of detachment. It's not because they don't care. Not be, It wasn't because he doesn't love you. Not not because he didn't want to, he didn't feel called to, to call to the marriage, but it was more like, I know what I've got to do to survive. And in order for me to survive, I've got to kind of emotionally kind of disconnect. And so that emotional disconnection then led to, oh, well, you know what? Everything's still okay. We're still good. I'm still thinking positive. It's going to be okay. And we're going to get that honeymoon when you come back. And then little did you know, that when he came back, he would have gone through such, you know, the valley of death, literally the valley of death. And so then when you came back and you were thinking the honeymoon is going to start, you were thinking what, you know, John? I Well, you know, I got back and it was very unfamiliar to me. I mean, mm. when you're deployed, I mean, you have one thing on your mind every morning when you wake up. You know, you wake up with a, the mentality that all I got to do is stay alive today. I know what I'm going to eat. I know what pretty much what my day is going to look like. Every day is the same. There are no holidays, no weekends, no nothing. So uh, life is actually a lot simpler when you're deployed than it is when you come back. And when you come back, all the stuff you left has kind of moved on and left you behind. It's continued to grow. Um, you know, people have moved on. You get back and maybe your wife has made some changes to the house, bought new furniture. You know, um, you're she's trying to pick up where you left off and you feel like you're a year behind. So it's very overwhelming, you know, and you're and on top of that, you're dealing with all these the stuff that you've seen and had to do and choices that you've had to make, which, you know, make you question your morals and and ethics and stuff because you've had to make some of those tough choices. And all that mesh together is just it becomes a jumbled mess in your brain, you know, and meanwhile, your wife's like, okay, I'm ready to, you know, pick back up where we left off. And you're like, I don't even know who I am right now. (laughs) 
or where I am, really. Yeah, you and know. I think for me, it was I didn't know what he had been through because he did. He only shared a very surface level what he had done, what he had to do, what he had seen, what he had experienced. And it was now I realized to protect me. But at the time, he wasn't ready to share those things. But all of these things were eating away at him and changing his personality and changing his thought process. And I'm like, where's the guy that left? And as a newlywed, you're already finding your new normal. Like, it's kind of a different person than you were dating. And like, you know, think you live together now. And your toothbrush is out, your clothes are out and all that. And you're adjusting to that. And then he left for a year and I had a new job and all these other things when he came back and I was like, okay, we're going to fall right back to where we were before. And everything's going to be great. Except all the things that he had experienced and was not able to process were destroying us little by little. But I was completely unaware that it was happening. What's amazing. And I think what's so great for our listeners to hear is what you guys are going through is not, abnormal correct like when you were talking about you know just the furniture moving around and feeling left behind and you've all these feelings that you're feeling at one moment they're they're absolutely normal I would think for someone that had been through such a difference and you basically have experienced life in such a different way and I'm you know Aaron when you were abroad you know when he was gone and he was serving, there's there's women there that you're you're hearing and you're you know other women that are on the base and all that stuff and so you're you're getting okay so that's kind of in a sense your community but did you feel like that there was a sense of okay this is normal or you know what they're all just going to come back messed up and just deal with it I mean like like did you guys how did that work as far as your community um I think it kind of depends where you land in the spectrum of where you're at as a military spouse like I was a brand new military wife we didn't have any kids for his um it was his second deployment but our first deployment together and so I was working full-time I had a couple of friends Uh, my best friend lived next door and her husband was actually deployed at the same time so we did everything together but um you do find those people she was my support system she had been through deployments before and she said, like, when the day he left, she was like, you have 24 hours to lay on the couch and cry about him being gone and sulk about this. And then we're over it and we're moving on and we're going to live our life and you're going to work and we're going to hang out. And like she like her name is Charlie and she's still one of my best friends today. And she you need that other person. You need that community because you need people who know what you're going through. Um, and it definitely was I was not prepared for the person that he was going to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, as because we were, it was a newer unit. They had just moved. And so I wasn't really in the mix of what to prepare for. Mm -hmm. So how did it impact your marriage? Well, I think, uh, I, I can't really speak for how it made her feel, but I would, I would imagine that, um, she probably saw the withdrawal and Mm -hmm. me isolating myself and stuff. And it probably made her think that it was more about her and that she, it was because of her when really it had nothing to do with her whatsoever. You know, it was about me trying to process all this stuff and try to readjust and reintegrate to my new norm, you know, because we, I, I'd been so patterned over the last year and that became my norm, you know, um, taking rockets almost every day and being shot at and stuff like that, that became normal to me. So, you know, I come back and I'm dealing with all that and loud noises are, are frightening me and giving me anxiety and panic attacks and stuff. And, um, 
So the way that I dealt with it was I, I, I to fend off the nightmares and stuff, I turned to the bottle. Mm-hmm. And I would come home every day, and I would start drinking as soon as I walked through the door. And I would literally drink myself to sleep every night, which you know probably made her feel like, what's wrong with me, that this is the way that he wants to handle what's going on with him. But it really had nothing to do with her. You know, it was it was me coping the best way that I knew how at that time with what was going on with me. And, um, you know, so the the communication suffered. Um, I felt like I couldn't share a lot of the things that I experienced with her because I knew I was going to deploy again and I didn't want her to have those fears while I was deployed. So I, I felt like I was doing the right thing by protecting her. I also was kind of worried about sharing some of the decisions I had to make with uh, over there with her because I was afraid it might change her view of me. Mm-hmm. What I didn't realize is um, it definitely wouldn't have changed it any worse than me going drinking and abusing pain meds every day. Wow. So for you, then you were almost trying to shield her from hurt by a different hurt, kind of, right? Yeah, just... You know, and, and you had great intentions, and I think that that's so... There's there's a sense of that happens in a lot of marriages that we may have good hearts, you know, we have good intentions on what we're our heart is in the right place, but just the execution of protecting her when really you had you had an ally that was waiting to really truly care for you and that distance or that withdrawal that you were having, you know, I I think that there's, there's something that I I just want to, I just kind of point out and I know that this, you know, whatever, but there are a lot of men that wouldn't have the same insight to say, okay, maybe she didn't understand why I was doing, they would just think about, well, I was doing what I got to do. So, you know what, this is what I got to do to get through the day. I just got to do this. And they never get to the place that they're actually thinking about their spouse. They're not thinking about the mindset of how do their reactions to valid you're hurting you're needing to you know the pain is very relevant and whether or not you know you thought that she could handle it or whatever that that was a a good heart but some bad execution and there was a there was a sense of what made you get to that place or how did you get to that place to be able to think about wow this this might actually be hurting her too (laughs) you know I was like this isn't just about me hurting right now this is actually this actually may be hurting Aaron well, honestly, it, it really didn't – it never really sank in until we got – I got back from my next deployment. Mm. And my next deployment, I w- came back really messed up. And um, I was having a really hard time. I was isolating even worse. I was drinking a lot, um, abusing pain meds. And I pretty much shut down in our marriage altogether. Like, I, we just didn't communicate. We didn't – you know, she, she already kind of knew, like, he was – he's probably not going to come back the same. He didn't come back the same last time. We only had about 14 months in between deployment. So I didn't even really have time to reintegrate, you know, before and I was in going that intermixing. Again. We had twin girls. <laughs> so in that 14 months of being home, we had twins and then he left again when they right. were a month old. Right. And so all that was going on. So I come back from the second deployment and during that deployment, I, I had a really, uh, a tough, uh, I had a tough deployment and I had to make some decisions that really made me question um, my relationship with God. It was really strong when I left, but some of the things that happened over there um, when I came back, I really kind of questioned that. Like, am I really in tune with God? Am it, it, does he really 
feel about me the way that I've been told that he does or the way that I used to believe that he does. And I thought because of some of the things that I'd done over there that it changed his perception of me or his love for me or, you know, his grace for me. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, that's the that's what I believed. And I believed that if I shared those things with Aaron and I shared that struggle with her that I was having spiritually and emotionally – that it would change her view of me. So one night um, I sat down with one of my, my best friends at the time, and I told him, I, I said, you know, I, he said, I, I, I can't get past what's, what's happened, like uh, what's going on, and I, I just shared with him. I opened up, and it was the first time I'd ever talked about some of the stuff that happened during that deployment, and when I uh, shared it with him, he said, why don't you share it with Aaron? I said, because it's going to change her view for me. You know, it might, it might damage our marriage. And he basically told me, like, it's going to damage it more than what you're doing now. Like, you know, just he said, what you need to do is you need to sit down with her and you need to just tell her, I need to tell you something. And I don't want you to validate me. I don't want you to try to fix it for me. I don't want you to uh, do anything but listen. But I need to get this off my chest. And holding that those secrets in from her was so damaging for our relationship. Like it it, it was a big dark cloud hanging over us. And once I was able to do that and I sat down with her and I told her that, and I just talked and she didn't say anything. She just gave me a hug afterwards. You know, we shed a few tears and that was the end of it. And then it wasn't until probably several weeks later that we went back and readdressed that. And we had a little bit more conversation and we opened up a little bit more, but just having that, you know, secret gone and having that, that bond and her getting to see that vulnerable side of me did so much for us and for our, our relationship to bring us together. And, and so Aaron, for you, what was it? You know, so your, your response was to hug him. Why? Um, I mean, ultimately like I loved him and I did not, I didn't get married to get divorced. Like it was not an option for me. My parents have been married for like 40 years. That my goal was to marry the person that I was going to be married to forever. And it didn't change my opinion. Like that was his own taking it in and feeling that way. And it was now looking back on it and being where we are now, it was a clear, place where the enemy grabbed hold of all the bad things that he had done or had to do that were out of his control. They were not choices that he made like they were, he wanted to make them, but, and it was the enemy's foothold to be like, Oh, well, if you tell her this, she's going to feel like this, or she's going to leave you, or she's going to take your kids, or she's going to do all these things. And that's absolutely not true. My goal as his my job as his spouse was to support him and love him. And I mean, all along through our marriage, like we both were raised in Christian homes. So we went to church. We didn't go to church. We went, found a church. We didn't. And our friends who gave him this advice, he, we went to church with them. We went every Sunday to church. So God was there and he was present. We just were in such a dark place that we weren't seeing the things that he had under the works. But And what I love is how many times do we try to tell couples that you, it, you have to base whether you're staying in a marriage off of your commitment, not off of you know how you're feeling that day, but that if you choose to love, like Aaron, her choice was, hey, you're stuck with me, so whatever it is, we got to get it out there and deal with it because I'm not going anywhere. That's not an option. That not an option thing is gigantic for a marriage. Well, and. To me, the more in, the thing that sticks out to me is that we all we may not have been on the battlefield that have had choices that we've made that we truly are like, man, I wish I wouldn't have 
been put in that position. But we may have done things that that the whole steal, kill, and destroy, it's real. Like, it's legit. Like, that's absolutely. And so Satan wanted to steal your marriage. He wanted to kill you, actually. You know, and he wanted to destroy any sort of identity that you had in Christ. He wanted to destroy that. And and so the idea of you confronting that and, and exposing that, exposing it to the light. And, and that's, I, I, we did this talk just so you know, we've, we've, we've done this before and we did it at Operation Heal Our Patriots. And we did this, um, we talked about this and you talked about how, you know, how impactful it was to really get in a sense that, that love from Christ, that unconditional love of, wait a minute, there's nothing that you have done that God does not love you. And there's nothing that, that, and you can feel forgiven. And guess what? There is someone with flesh and blood, your wife, that wants to literally shower down God's love and God's grace and God's appreciation and all. He wanted to shower that down on you in a physical flesh and blood sense. And it came through your, your spouse. And that's the best part of marriage. I mean, truly, our you know, marriage, the best part of marriage is that we do get to feel God's love and God's love is channeled through that. But, but you told that story. And it was crazy because the next day there was a woman that came up to me and said, oh my gosh, that so impacted me. John and Aaron's story so impacted me that I went and I told my husband, you know, a part of my story that I thought I could never do. And you know what? And he was okay with it and he heard it and he loves me anyway. And, and that's the sense of that's what we want to do. We want to cover up the wounds and we want to say, there's no way I need to push them down into a dark corner and never, you know, never open that box, never open that pain. It's supposed to be boxed off. But the more we're able to expose that wound to Christ's healing, to Christ's grace, to the light, then what happens is then Satan doesn't have a power over it. Then there's a sense of, wait a minute, so the worst didn't happen. She didn't leave me. Wait a minute, she still thinks I'm a pretty cool guy, pretty pretty loving, pretty worth loving, and still wants me to be the, the father, you know, of her children and, you know, all that. And so that's one of the things that I... To me, that story, and I know that there are so many people that have gone through something similar, um, and they're not just military families, but, but have gone through something that is very, very traumatic. Now, I will say, you set her up to succeed, and that you told her, look, this is what I need from you, da-da-da-da-da, I don't need you to validate me, I don't need you to, you know, I don't need a lot of words, and guess what, she understood you from the get-go to know when he says something, he probably actually means it, so he actually means, if he doesn't want me to say anything, and he doesn't want me to fix it, I probably shouldn't do it, so you set her up to succeed in that sense, but then also, you there's a part of, I know that being that vulnerable, there is such an incredible risk in that. There was a risk that you took, but the risk that you took in that vulnerability, it can pay off 10 times. And it was costing you so much to not risk. And I think that that's the thing that I would walk away from is that I know people get hurt and I know people go out in a vulnerability and they were like, oh my gosh, I didn't get the response. I didn't get the response that Aaron, Aaron got. But, it, but to recognize that that's still the way that you want to live because 
what would it have cost you or what was it costing you? Could you explain, like, for you, maybe you didn't consciously think and your friend basically said, well, dude, it's kind of costing you a lot not telling her. So, I mean, what was it about that that you were able to, A, you told her what what you wanted and there was a comfort and security there of, okay, as I... I don't know for sure, and I know I'm living in a, a lot of condemnation about it, but like, how did you know, or why did it? Why was it worth it to you? Well, I think you know that was the beginning of our coming together and um, really understanding how well that the other person was going to be there to support. You know, during that that same time that I was you know, involved with taking prescription meds and I was drinking and I was struggling with all that and keeping that secret from her. It, during that same time frame, I was also having an affair, mm. you know, and it started out with uh, just looking at pornography and being addicted to that. And then eventually, you know, that wasn't enough to fulfill me. And I felt like I wasn't getting what I needed from Aaron. And it was because I was isolating from her. So I'm pushing her away, expecting her to give me what I need, but not telling her what that is and then not getting it and then justifying my sinful nature and the choices that I'm making and saying, well, it's her fault, not mine, because she's not giving me what I want and what I need, you know? Um, so that led me to wind up having an, an affair. And um, after going through and sharing that secret with her, then we had to, to dive in and go deeper and talk about the affair and how we're going to, you know, work through that. And if, if we're going to be able to stay together and there had been so many other times that, um, I had told her that things were going to be different. I was going to change. I was going to stop drinking. I was not going to look at pornography anymore. She'd heard that story so many times that really I'm telling her, like, I'm all in on our marriage. Like, I really felt at that for the first time, like, you know, you stand across the altar from them and you say, I love you. I want to be with you forever. But you don't really know what commitment you're making. But at that point in time in our marriage, after, you know, we were in about uh, five years at that time, I kind of knew what I was getting into at that point. So I'm telling her I'm all in. And she's like, I don't believe you. Like you've told me this before what's different now. And so by her accepting me telling her the things from downrange, it gave me a level of, uh, of comfortability where I'm like, okay, well, this is a, this is a big, another big secret to share, but she handled it really well last time. So I'm going to trust that process and do it again and we can get through this. And she's going to be there to support me. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun. But in the end, it'll be worth it. Ah, oh, and that was so cool. I love that. Okay, so just kind of the stability of, okay, handling it. And I would say, Aaron, for you to be able to, when you heard that, and then in your thinking, okay, so it's basically like kind of a, that one was, as hard as that was, that had nothing to do with you. So it was easy for you to kind of like be like, okay, I love you anyway. I know that. But then there was another one mm-hmm. and there was another blow. And so then now this one becomes personal. Now, how do you handle that one? Now, you now how do you handle, okay, P.S., by the way, yeah, having an affair. So mm-hmm. how does that go? And Well, I would say, I would just side note that, that we found out, I found out about the affair because I found the, like I found something on his phone. So, um, it wasn't him coming to me. He confessed after the fact, obviously, because I found it, but, um, I had to decide like, is this going to break us or not? And is he going to be honest and we're going to work on it or not? And I didn't know then, like I was packing my stuff 
and my kids stuff as we were having a conversation if we were going to work it out or not. So I wasn't like, okay, I love you. It's all right. We're going to, it's going to be fine. Like, you know, the last time and I had somewhere to go and so you're he saying there it. wasn't like a quiet hug. <laughs> yeah. There was no hugging after that. But, um, I think it was, I made, like I said in the beginning, I made the decision to get married because I loved him and I loved the man that he was. And, I saw him as a father to my kids and I wanted him to make it right. And I was going to give him the opportunity to make it right. That's huge. I, I'm sorry. I So even though he had done a lot of things that you would say, wow, okay, you really screwed up or, oh, wow, I could see how that would really make you broken or hurt or whatever. I still believe in you. And that's huge. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I have my hand up <laughs> because I know there are people listening furious right now <laughs> right they're going oh, okay time out no way and some people are furious because I, 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 I don't know how someone reads the gospel and ever walks away with shame and condemnation right because there are certain sins you just can't do and for a couple this is one of them right and couples all the time people say oh, you had an affair and I'm not making light of an affair it's a huge wound. However, where I get frustrated is couples or Christians believe that, well, that's the one thing I, you can do that gives, I have permission to divorce you. So like, Aaron, I guess I want to push back a little bit and go, okay, so then what makes you not crazy or are you sick in the head? <laughs> I mean, how on earth do you land on I'm still committed? Um, I mean, I definitely didn't feel like that in the beginning and there was a ton of distrust and there was a ton of me taking low blows. I mean, it was not a pretty like, Oh, it's okay. We're going to work this out and I'm just going to forgive him. I mean, if I only everyone could see John's face. Right now. <laughs> He's like, I mean, I it was pretty good idea. I mean, it, the, pretty. where this is now six years, five and a half years after all that came out where we're sitting now having this conversation, but it was a long time of me even two years ago, making just little jabs. And I knew he wasn't doing anything anymore, but I still hadn't fully like released it because it was that one thing that I was like, you committed this ultimate sin for me. But you stayed. And that's what I guess I want people to hear is that, oh no, right? The worst thing. And, the, and someone asked me about this recently. Uh, 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 and I'm kind of starting to go, look, we got to stop like, Nothing is unredeemable through Christ. Nothing. So why do we have to define anything as like that one ultimate, you know, if that happens, you're dead to me. And I think we have to have a better attitude or a different attitude about it. So what was it then? What what would you say, Aaron, was kind of the thing? And I appreciate you being honest going, hey, it's not like we were like, you know, it was not singing puppies songs, and rainbows, holding yeah. hands. <laughs> However, you didn't leave. You guys are still married today. And you're in a very different place today. So what was it? Honest, today, if I was going to answer that question, I would absolutely say that it was God. Like, I know that John and I are supposed to be married. I know that we're supposed to be the parents to our six kids total, four of our kids together, and his two older kids. Like, I know that in 50 years, we're still supposed to be sharing this marriage story. And I think that if we, today, I'm answering this question and I'm sharing our marriage, if someone was looking at our marriage and said, 
are you displaying the gospel or can people look at your marriage and see God? And you're like, I could say yes, not every day because we have arguments on Sundays on the way to church. We have arguments about nonsense weekly, but we use the tools from Michael and Amy. We use tools from church. We use tools from the Bible. We, all of those things that, you know, if we're looking at God as our father, for our children, we are an unconditional safe place. And we let our kids fall a million times and we're like, hey, we're still here and we love you and we're going to protect you and we're going to fight for you and we're going to do what we need to do. But like, I'm, I am that place for John and John is that place for me. And did I, could I say that five years ago that I felt like he was my absolute safe place? No. But now working through those things and us being in the Lord together, I can say that's absolutely like it's an unconditional relationship. So for me, what I'm getting out of this, there's a fighter in Miss Aaron, just like there's a fighter in you, John, right? There's a sense of even though she was bad, right? Even though she was mad, you could tell she's still committed. Like she's doing some jabs, but she's there. You know, well, I, it, it, wouldn't you say that? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, I, I think a part of what helped the situation too is, you know, like she said, I didn't come out and just confess like I got caught. And I told her, okay, I'm ready to work on this. I'm all in. You know, she's heard it before, not really believing it. So, but I was, I had that mentality that I need to fix this. I'm the one that messed this up. I'm going to take ownership of what my part in it. I'm going to not say this happened because of you or because of what you were or weren't giving me. Like I took ownership. I made those choices regardless of what I felt like I was getting from, from her that didn't give me the right to do that and step outside of our marriage. So I took ownership for my responsibility in it and the actions that I took and whatever heat rounds that she sent my way, I was like, I deserve that and more. And I was willing to take it because I, I was willing to do anything at that point to save my marriage and to show her that I was fully committed to her. But there are men out there that take those heat rounds and then they give up because they think that this isn't going to, this isn't going to change. She's not. So what it about taking those heat rounds did she give you enough? Like there's got to be enough that she was committed enough of that. I'm still here to let you know, I'm just mad temporarily, or I'm just pushing the boundaries of, I don't trust you. I love you, but I don't trust you. What was it that there were little, there had to have been little nuggets that were along the way that fed. Okay. I can keep fighting. I know that there's something in, in Aaron that I know that there's that loving person. She is trying to, and it may have been, she's forgiven me. She, she thinks I'm a, you know, maybe she's not acting like she forgives me, but she wants to forgive me. I don't know. I don't know what that is, but there was something in the two of you that, that, and yes, it is a God thing. And is maybe that's it. The hope of, you know what? I have to have hope. God has to redeem this situation. God does not want me to live in this, you know, world that I've, you know, chaos and darkness and all that. I don't know. Well, trying to, I mean, on my path to recovery and trying to break free from, you know, the, the bonds of uh, the pornography held over me and the shame of the affair and all that stuff, you know, I, I really knew that that was beyond my control. Like I, I was going to, it was inevitable that at some point in time on my own accord, I would go back to that behavior. You know, because I'd done it so many times before. So I knew that I had to figure out a way to get past that and, and to, for God to remove that temptation for me. So 
when we really started putting our marriage together, one of the things I think that helped me during that that time of when she's sending me heat rounds is I was trying to pray through breaking that cycle, and I knew that I needed God's help. So for 90 days every night, I would get down on my knees, and I would pray to God. I'd say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you to take control of this. I need you to break break these chains for me so that these uh, addictions, uh, th- these uh, choice, bad choices that I've made don't consume me again. And I, I, I need you to help me see Aaron the way that you see her. I need you to give me eyes for only Aaron so that no other woman satisfies me, please me, uh, you know, appeals to me, but her, because I knew that was the only way that I was going to ever truly be faithful to her. And I think through that process, it also given me uh, a vision for Aaron, the way God sees her. He doesn't see her as a flawed person. He doesn't see her as an angry person. He sees her in her purest form. And for me to view her that way, like even when she's at her worst, I don't, I don't see that. You know? Dang, that's good. That is really good. So, so for you, changing your mental, the mental thing, and as you were thinking, I, you know, the what went through my mind is, you know, a drill sergeant. When a drill sergeant is, you know, you're in boot camp or whatever, and they're like shouting all kinds of things to you, but you know, they're trying to get you ready for something else. Like they know that they're training you for a higher level, and so for you, there was a sense of for you when you you knew that you needed to break the bond. You knew. I needed discipline. I needed to be able to break the chains of whatever was had a grip on you. And you just basically took it, those heat rounds, as you called them, those heat rounds is, okay, here we go. This is it again. Guess what? It's another round of, you know, another round of a mile hike with a 60 pound pack or whatever. I can, you know, and, and be, okay, God, here we go. We're going again. And, and really taking that on and not, not chunking it. Instead, you took it as a challenge. And in a challenge of, I'm going to change my thinking. I'm going to pray this through. I'm going to do it the right way. That's awesome. That's so cool. I love it. Well, I am so glad that our listeners got a little taste of Aaron and John because your story does matter. And it is so incredibly important because people need to know real lives that I what I love and I'm going to keep saying this is that you're real people you have real struggles you got but what is amazing is that you keep choosing the right things in the end you may struggle it's kind of like you may struggle struggle a little bit but you make those right choices and that you ultimately you come back to praying and releasing and surrendering it to God and being able to say, God, I know I cannot make this on my own, but I know that through you I can. And that is so much of a powerful story of what we all need to do that because we need stories of what does it really look like to walk through the muck and the mud and to struggle, but yet to surrender to our Savior and to God making our story and for God to redeem our story. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for being on. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. It's maybe the night that my dreams might let me know All the stars are closer, all the stars are closer Tell me what you gonna do to me Confrontation ain't nothing new to me You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue But you can't bring the truth to me Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and SZA Okay Maybe the night-
With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. My heart skips skipping the beach and not close enough so that space between you and me let's lose it. The way you're dancing sway into the music girl that body and how you move it every time you cross my mind girl I lose it. Alexa, play the country heat playlist. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.